don't think I'm sexy. I think you're sexy. Mean Jean, really, I do. Welcome to 50% Fresh. My name's Mark. I'm Taylor. We're uh, here with a dog that is chewing on a bone, and uh, you may or may not hear that. But... Well, we're a little frazzled, to be completely <laughs> honest. We've had a lot of tech issues. We've uh, we've had night coffees. And listen, we got a dog that chews a bone every time we do anything involving a microphone. Yeah. So yeah. we just got to all be okay with that. And I hope, I hope, I hope you are. I'm sorry about the bone, but it's miraculous that that's all that's going wrong right now, you know, True, after yeah. everything that's been happening. So just try to come at it from an optimistic place like we are, and I think we'll be okay. Hey, you know when it's easy to be in an optimistic place? When it's the season of WrestleMania? The reason for the season. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so what better time to talk about a wrestling movie, we figured, to grab a pro wrestling movie, because it just, it just this, this time it's just once a year, WrestleMania. And if you're listening to this on the week it came out, it's the week of WrestleMania. So, today's film, 2000's Ready to Rumble. So Ready to Rumble is about two best friends, David Arquette and Scott Kahn. Uh, they are small-town kind of loser characters that mm-hmm. are super big wrestling fans, uh, particular fans of pro wrestler Jimmy King, who is WCW champion, played by Oliver Platt, not a wrestler. Um, he's sort of fucked over, and the the best friends help him get his glory back. Yeah, he's he loses his championship. Jimmy King is played by Oliver Platt, like you said, amongst every all the other wrestlers are real wrestlers playing themselves. Including Diamond Dallas Page is probably <laughs> the biggest role, uh, biggest wrestler role. Yeah, the biggest wrestler, yeah, for sure. Most popular wrestlers might be among da- Diamond Dallas Page, Bill Goldberg, Sting, Macho Man Randy Savage, all in doing doing stuff. Yeah, you, there, there are a, a litany <laughs> of, of wrestling personalities um, who appear in this movie. Like, I, I kind of felt like that meme of Leo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah, where he's pointing at the TV. Throughout, Just, it's a lot of fun. You're going you're to be doing a lot of that if you're a wrestling fan, but there are a, there were a few specific appearances that we wanted to mention, um, besides the ones we've already talked about. Uh, there's Mean Gene Okerlund. One of my favorite, uh, you know, just like if you're talking beyond just wrestlers themselves, but personalities in the wrestling world, which are important, the managers and announcers and everything of the world. Mean Gene Okerlund is just... Uh, He's just great. One of the all-time broadcasters, certainly, and he gets to do some fun in-ring stuff, but then it's, also, it's just fun seeing him hang out. And yeah, I think I probably put that line in already that we liked a lot. And uh, notably, this is the media debut of one John Cena, mm-hmm. although he is just an extra spotted in the background of like one scene. Yeah, if you know where to look, if you just there's a gym scene, he's working out. <laughs> we'll, we'll put up a picture of that on, yeah. on the yeah, podcast a, Twitter. I will say, very convincingly working out. You, to- yeah. you totally buy him as guy in gym, <laughs> young man in gym. Bleach uh, blonde hair, the prototypical <laughs> bleach blonde hair. 
Um, and that's great because it's, it's uh, the year 2000, so maybe this is being produced in like 99 or 2000 or something. I don't think he debuted in wrestling until... 2005 or, or, six or something. Something like that. Um, he was just... Well, on TV. Yeah. Is. So the director is one Brian Robbins, who is currently the president and CEO of Nickelodeon and Paramount Pictures. Uh, he's also directed Good Burger, The Shaggy Dog, Norbit, uh, some other other cinematic gems we'll get into uh all the way what i mean by this but when you say this guy's the director of this film uh is is currently the president and ceo of paramount and nickelodeon it, it occurs to me that this movie cost some people more than it cost others yeah. <laughs> you know or sometimes someone sometimes some a person can take a lot of heat maybe maybe disproportionately i don't we'll, know we'll get into why but this this movie the wake that it left some some people would say that it killed WCW, and it kind of derailed David Arquette's career from there on out. Yeah, yeah. If this were like um, a titillating true crime podcast before our opening, we would have been like, but did it cost him everything or something? <laughs> like, you could really make a case for that. But yeah, for David Arquette and then WCW, which was really competing. Like, WWF, later WWE, obviously, is like the household name. But WCW was a valid competitor, and this is a time capsule of kind of that moment. Yeah. And then the ship kind of sank. <laughs> so this movie was also, uh, it was not also, it was written by <laughs> Stephen Brill, who, uh, if that name sounds familiar to you, you might recognize uh, him as being the director of some more, more recent Netflix Adam Sandler movies, like uh, Hubie Halloween, shit like that. Uh, but he's also, he also wrote and directed Heavyweights, which which I, I love, uh, Little Nicky, and Mighty Ducks 1 through 3. Wrote, he wrote he Mighty Ducks. Yeah, so resume is coming at this thing, and and when you hear that these two got together and made a wrestling movie, yeah, President Nickelodeon and, <laughs> and the Adam, Adam Sandler guy, the Adam Sandler auteur, the, yeah, the, the late two thousands uh, or the late that's right twenty teens. Yeah, how are we fucking talking about the? I, I I can't. I won't. Whatever. Well, yeah, it's exactly what you might expect. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that. The movie did not do very well commercially. Um, it made it made twelve point five million back of its twenty four million dollar budget, and it got it's currently sitting at a twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The big squish. <laughs> the critics' consensus is uh, not very kind. It says humor at its lowest that isn't funny for kids and is insulting to adults. Which I think is a little dramatic. A little dramatic. Doesn't leave very many people. A lot of what we're going to see on this podcast about movies with bad reviews, obviously genre stuff, horror movies and comedies are always have an uphill battle critically. So the the com the wrestling comedy certainly uh, had an uphill battle. Certainly, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a four star movie or anything, but just no. saying it, it's not surprising that it's that it's kind of down low. Yeah, and I pulled one negative review in particular. Because it just sort of exemplifies everything that annoys me about people that review movies mm -hmm. and why we started this podcast in the first place. Uh, so uh, this is from the New York Times review that was published short, uh, when the movie was released on April 7th, 2000. Uh, the reviewer was A.O. Scott, who is, uh, I got personal beef with him now. He's a son of a bitch. He, well, he, he refers to wrestling that. a man. Okay. He refers to wrestling fans as uncouth, slack-jawed dolts who think that punching women in the face is an acceptable form 
of foreplay. That okay. That last very bizarre bit aside, the slack jawed stuff is just such an outdated and lazy and condescending and just it just I thought yeah like outdated, disproven, whatever you want to say. And then to really extrapolate punching women like oh I like to see the women hit in the face. Is, That's is, how I get off. Or? Yeah, even to say to say that people enjoy is one thing. To equate it to a weird a weird sexual thing is is tantamount to insulting me and my wife personally, which I don't take too kindly to. Now I've got beef with Mr. Scott. Yeah, I'm gonna fight the. You man. say this about my wife? Jesus. No, but uh, I think he was just he was just the the problem with with many people that review movies is that they give them negative reviews based on I wanted the movie to be this, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's why we both appreciate Roger Ebert's reviews because he seems to evaluate movies based on what it ended up being, I think not that, what yeah. he wanted it to be. I think, and I think he was outspoken, I mean, if not outspoken, I, I don't think he was, you know, knocking on doors telling people or anything, but I think he was pretty vocal or whatever about evaluating a movie based on what does it intend to do. And it's, it's a thing that sounds like, well, yeah, that's what you should do. But when you key into that, mm-hmm. there are a lot of reviews of like, you know, the case in point, you're not exaggerating. If you want to read the thing that is like, Oh, yeah. What you're talking about here, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so he just seemed pissed off that uh, Ready Rumble, quote, is not a satire of the idiocy of professional wrestling, but a long, self-satisfied wallow in it. Compared to WCW, the better-known World Wrestling Federation looks downright highbrow. After all, the WWF has recently been the subject of a documentary, a word few of the characters in Ready to Rumble are probably able to spell. And he goes on to say... Uh, you may say I'm missing the point. Everyone knows pro wrestling is fake. Everyone knows it's stupid. And that's part of the fun. Well, far be it from me to stand up against the atrophy of human intelligence. But Ready to Rumble is not much fun at all. Uh, and you know who's not much fun at all? Yeah. This fucking Yeah, yeah. Literally, I sh- like if you were to condense some of that stuff he's saying at the end, it would be like, well, have fun having fun. <laughs> You know? Stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You and know, there's people that like it. And that's even the thing before. Not a satire of the idiocy of professional wrestling, but a long self-satisfied wallow in it. It's a long, condescending way to say wrestling fans made it. <laughs> or just like, I think this is stupid and I don't like wrestling. So because this movie wasn't shitting all over wrestling. Exactly. It's, right. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know what this. Oh, and I was, uh, I couldn't help myself when I was doing uh, research for the podcast and taking some notes. I was... I was getting all, getting all fired up. She's getting hot. <laughs> I, was getting, I was getting all hot uh, reading this review, and uh, Mark suggested looking up. I was like, I bet this asshole liked the wrestler and yeah. had nothing to say about the culture at large around the subject matter, which seems no different. But when it's a completely drama, everybody liked. And that was that was that instinct was correct because he gave it a glowing review, and which rightfully so. But it's just like when I'm reviewing a movie, I don't like wrestling is for the dummies. And when I'm re- reviewing a movie, I, I like it's man. He really goes out there and bleeds for this. <laughs> These guys really put it on the line, you know. Yeah. And it just it just it's all disingenuous. You fucker. Dumbass fucker. Yeah, he says, this is from his wrestler review. While the fights are choreographed, the pain and blood are frequently real. Yeah, he's not like, none of these pricks know how to spell. These fucking slack-jawed morons. <laughs> right. That watch this shit. These, these women beating dummies. Right, right. You can't see the boners when the women get hit in the face, but they're there. Oh, they're there. Yeah, just... Yeah, so fuck this fucking guy, man. Yeah. But, I mean, the movie is uneven. Oh, and uh, just to establish... 
Well, again, why we like Roger Ebert. He will, who also gave it like a negative review. He gave it two stars. I saw, you know, it was interesting. I found his review on his website, uh, on the archive website, two stars out of four. Yeah. But they give it the, I don't, I don't know whose authority this is. I, I presume it goes to the Siskel and Ebert back in like whenever they did the TV show and like they have to make the call. If it's a 50 percenter, you go thumbs up or thumbs down. Looks like you give it a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one of those shaky thumbs, but nevertheless. And that's the thing. So he says, um, he just was able to critique the movie without shitting on wrestling or wrestling fans. This is from his review. I have a newfound respect for, for the sport after seeing the documentary Behind the Mat, which establishes without a shadow of a doubt that when you are thrown out of the ring in a scripted fight with a prearranged winner, it nevertheless hurts when you hit the floor. I am in awe of wrestlers, not as athletes, but as masochists. They take a licking and keep on kicking. Which I, 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 liked, I liked that. Mm. And I thought that his critique of the movie was a good point. He says, The problem with Ready to Rumble is that its hero is not a wrestler, but an actor, Oliver Platt. Platt is a good comic actor, and I've liked him in a lot of movies, but here he is not well used and occupies a role that would have been better filled by a real wrestler. That is demonstrated every time Diamond Dallas Page is on the screen, playing himself with such ferocity that Platt seems to be playing Jimmy the King in a key heard only by himself. Mm. It does stick out a little bit. That's a good way to put it, where I get it because Oliver Platt does the most acting, so you're like, I'll get an actor to do it, but like... These guys are really good. He said, like he said, Diamond Dallas Page is really good in there. The other thing is, we insult this kind of logic in wrestling. Was like, you have to be a big, beefy Hercules guy to be convincing. But Oliver Platt, he doesn't look like your conventional wrestling champion. It's an interesting bit of casting, I guess. Like, like Roger Ebert's like, this guy's been good and stuff, but it's it is a choice. It's an odd choice. Well, I don't have that big of a beef with. I guess an out of shape wrestler mm. or being portrayed. If you've not seen it, he's like, you know, more of a Mick Foley body type, mankind. True, true. And because the, I grew up watching yeah. in the Attitude Area when Mick Foley was yeah. world champion at one point. Yeah. Like, I don't really have a big beef with that. I guess the more I think about it, too, a major part of the plot is that he was being let go and and, and uh, Joey Pants, the booker, um, I forget, Sinclair. Uh, He's got a funny name. Sinclair something. Uh, the Eric Bischoff, Vince McMahon guy, is like, you're done, man. I'm done with you. So when we see him boozing in his trailer, it's like, I believe that. He does look like he's maybe a guy that the industry could be like, we're done with you. So, yeah. Good with it, I suppose. Yeah. So, that being said, how did you feel about the movie? Uh, you, you you said it a second ago. I mean, we're kind of here defending it, but it by no means is, is, is a flat-out masterpiece. I think it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. It's uneven. Some of the comedy is a little... It's oh, a yeah. little rough. It's it's it it shows its era. It's it's kind of a dumb comedy from two thousands. It's in our we it, it's no, up it our alley. Certainly, com- we're in the bag for it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say it completely is, and I wasn't defending the movie. I was defending wrestling. Just that prickish attitude towards it that it, there's no need to project on a movie because again, as soon as you watch a good movie about wrestling, in your mind, it's it's this. It's it's just like wow, you're so easily swayed about a whole culture based on if you're watching a movie that you like or not. It's it's a subculture. A big pet peeve of mine is when people are reviewing a comedy they didn't like and they try to be really funny. Oh my god! Yeah, but this is a piece of shit. Let me get my jokes. Look how in. funny I am. So 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 rarely, if ever at all, is the look that people are are, are hoping it is. Just you like know? if you if you write review, <laughs> please stop doing that. Stop. Like, it it's it doesn't yeah, work, yeah. and you look like an asshole. Right. Although, if you want to call a good baseball movie a home run, I think that's pretty good. I don't think that's been done. <laughs> I agree with you. It's pretty uneven. At at, uh, at one point during the movie, I think I I said to you, it feels like they lost the script halfway through the movie and then 
tried to finish it from memory. Yeah. It just, or, it or, feels like a, a few different movies. Yeah. I, I think David Arquette had said, we'll get into it, I'm sure, uh, you know, you can see where David Arquette, he probably should have led a lot more movies than he got to. He's good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the script gives him the most to work with. Scott Kahn, I always thought of this movie was Ready, Ready to Rumble is the movie with David Arquette and some other guy, but I know Scott Kahn. I, I like him in Ocean's Eleven a lot. I've not seen him in too much other stuff, but I know I have seen But But no, they're both really good. Uh, but just to speak to your sort of like script feeling uneven or unfinished, there's a part, I forget what even scene it's in, but it kind of ends like this is where the joke is. And it's just him listening to Britney Spears on a Walkman, just kind of singing it along with it. And like, it's supposed to be funny, you can tell. And I just watch it. Think, Don't you want to write the guy a joke here or anything or anything at, at all happened? And what he, does that have to do with anything? Why is this, is this, is this, was it that he was using, he was into that, oh, you've got a Walkman and I can you listen to it or something? Or, or was he just doing that with his own walk? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. There's there's shit like that all through here. Yep. There's cool stuff with with uh, Sting doing scenes with our guy we like from The Sopranos and any number of like oh look there's there's Macho Man there's Bob you know um, yeah so let's talk about that actually too because it also is a WCW thing and that's largely I think maybe because I was kind of a WWF guy but so many people crossed over that I still recognized a ton of people in this movie. This is the only thing I knew about WCW for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you aren't familiar, just, just to cover all of our bases here, mm-hmm. this movie was made at the height of the ratings war slash like wrestling promotional rivalry between WCW and WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I watched WWF. I, uh, I, WCW just fell off to me. And as a kid, I was also a picky eater. So it was just like, this is <laughs> different. different. This different. is weird. Unfamiliar. I don't like it. Yes. Like, uh, it's different than what I'm used to, so therefore I don't like it and I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was like the only shit I knew about WCW forever. Uh-huh. And uh, then when WCW eventually lost the ratings war and no longer was a company, a lot of guys from WCW came to WWF, later WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did end up seeing all sorts of fucking people. The history just ended up being one big kind of mush pile. Mm-hmm. So now... Former WCW champions are referred to as former champions if you watch WWE today, but it was very different at the time. And I was like, you too. It just felt so different. Like, I grew up with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. It was very wholesome and colorful. So even when guys I liked, like Macho Man, would leave, you see him in WCW and he's like, oh, he's just wearing Hulk Hogan. Like, he's wearing black. And it just, like, you know, if I was a bit older, I'd be like, this is edgier product. But I think just, like you said, there was the unfamiliarity of it. It wasn't. Wasn't for me. Didn't check it out. Plus, the shows were on at the same exact time, so mm-hmm. I don't know how. I, I wasn't dedicated enough to sit there and figure out what was the better thing at a given moment. <laughs> I just want to watch one Stone Cold on. Exactly. It yeah. Seems easier. Yeah. But it, yeah, that's why they're they're referred to now as the Monday Night Wars because there was Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw, and no one was backing down. It's funny to um to go back and watch this now because WCW. Has a there are a lot of um, a lot of AEW's DNA is from WCW, mm-hmm. and that's evidenced by the people that are there's a uh, this movie be 23 years ago. There mm-hmm. are people in it that are still active in the business today, mm-hmm. and that's kind of bonkers. And AEW, all elite wrestling. Here we are in 2023. Just for full context, is the modern competitor to WWE. Yes, that some people might think is weird because it's not that, but yeah, uh, people like Sting. Uh, 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 he was 62 i think yeah. and still wrestling and and announcer tony Schiavone 
he goes sting in the movie, much like he goes sting. It's sting on, on, the, and on the Wednesday. It's it's, it's it's really really fun. So like I said, it's this remarkable time capsule. You can see fucking Surge Cola in the party store, you know. But then also there's things that are still enduring in wrestling. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, so there's that, but then there's also, like, I mean, this is a movie that's got not one but two Kid Rock songs on the soundtrack. <laughs> that's a, can we talk about the soundtrack? The yeah. soundtrack is hilarious. We said a similar thing about Gotti, of, like, like, they just picked every obvious musical cue to the extent that this movie is in the year 2000, and uh, what's that song, My Own Worst Enemy by Lit? Just plays twice. Twice? In the same manner. It just like They just did the same thing twice, where it's like, oh yeah, I guess we're going to wherever. <laughs> Do you think when that guy came up with that riff, he knew? It's going to be in every movie like, for the next five years. Right, like, I, I know he struggled to practice with a smile, but do you think he had a every movie in the next five years smile when he goes, hey guys, what about... <laughs> I wonder... Yeah, so that, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Insane in the Brain by Cypress Hill, which I love, but just in a lot of training montages, uh, or just like monta- like Mrs. Doubtfire, I don't know if that was a training montage, but it's just definitely prominently in there. Girls, girls, girls. Girls, girls, girls. Motley Crue. By Motley Crue. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, I Want to Be a Cowboy by Kid Rock, and then I Want to Be a Bawa da Baba da Baba by Kid Rock. <laughs> Couple of his songs. The big ones. <laughs> the big ones. All of his songs are about wanting to be something. But it's just, it's that, it's that. It's about, it's... It's exactly what you would expect from, again, fucking Good Burger guy yeah, and, and late era Adam Sandler guy. Yeah, exactly. And I think the farther this movie tends to be away from wrestlers in a wrestling ring is where you're like, oh, okay, are we going to get to the back to this stuff? Just, you know, yeah, uh, like yeah. I said, some of the stuff with their... I think if this movie were better, these two guys would endure... You know, you would love these two main characters like their Beavis and Butthead or Cheech and Chong or even even a Harold and Kumar or something. You know, just like... But it does. they don't really quite pop like that i don't think like i think it seems a little cloudy as far as like so who's the main character of this movie is it jimmy jimmy king is it is it david arquette it, it just seems sort of like hodgepodgey right mm-hmm. whose movie is it i don't know, I don't know. not mine <laughs> not my fucking movie so uh the movie opens quickly uh at the beginning of the movie there's like a Dreams, not dream sequence, but like a fantasy. A fa- like a daydream, yeah. A daydream. David Arquette just fantasizes uh, that some wrestlers come help him. Uh, He's talking, yeah, there's like a, a sassy, sorry, convenience store guy. Yeah. Those are my favorite parts of the movie. I thought it was almost going to be, I don't want to do the thing we were criticizing and say, I wish it was this and I'm mad that it wasn't. But I was at first I was like, oh, wrestling fan with crazy daydreams all the time. And he's like, you know, it sure would be cool if Macho Man came and helped. It's like that Chuck Norris movie, Sidekicks, where the kid just daydreams how cool it would be if Chuck Norris helped him beat up his bullies. And that's kind of the whole movie. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But uh, so we, we see Macho Man very early. Mm-hmm. But seeing, watching again, watching it today, yeah. it was like, oh, this is like a weird NWO Black leather, no sunglasses, no hat, no tassels. Like, this isn't the yeah. Macho Man I know. And also just noticeably, like, bigger than he ever was, which, yeah. you know, hey, God bless you, man. Way to hit the gym. But, uh, you know, just knowing what we know about wrestling and stuff like that, he just he just doesn't look like the Slim Jim peddling, colorful guy that uh, that we knew. But nevertheless, I guess he kind of is kind of the same era Macho Man that shows up in Spider-Man. So, mm-hmm. so he was, you know, he was getting out there in those days. Macho Man Randy Savage. 
I'm gonna get you, yeah! So, uh, I guess Macho Man's a bad guy in, in the dreams, in the fantasy sequence I there. Gather. Because he starts beating up David Arquette. Yeah. And then Jimmy King comes to, to rescue him and, and kick Macho Man's ass. And during the filming of that sequence, mm. Oliver Platt actually fucking hit... Macho Man in the face. Oh, he gave him one. Gave is that, him one. That's that, what was in the, that's that in the outtake. bloopers. Yeah. There's an outtake. So if you watch that at the end, that was like, it, it seemed like to watch it, he was like, oh no, did I actually hit you? But now you're telling me like, yeah, he got oh, him. Oh yeah, he got him. Oliver, He's fine. Oliver yeah. Platt. Oh, Oliver. You laid that one in, didn't you? <laughs> All right. that, was, that was inevitable. I'm sorry. We'll keep that to a minimum. Uh, it's a wrestling podcast. Now this week we have to do Macho Man and or Hulk Hogan and or Dusty Rose impressions. Minimized. Um. So, I don't know if we said this already, but Joey Pants plays, the, like, the villain, one, one of the villains of the movie are DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, and Joey Pants, who plays, like, a, the, the guy in charge of the promotion. He's the Vince McMahon, he's the, he's the Eric Bischoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then DDP is, like, his main wrestler, who he's like, hey, we're going to take the belt off of Jimmy, give it to DDP. Yeah, so, I, I think it's safe to say that Maybe the inciting incident to this movie is inspired by the Montreal screw job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, this is a real thing that happened. The Montreal screw job. I'm not sure when the late 90s. I think so 97? Was, yeah. Basically, Bret Hart was WWF champion and he wanted to quit and go to WCW. Was the champion. He didn't want to drop the belt to Shawn Michaels because he hated Shawn Michaels and Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels hated Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. But they fucked him out of it and they did a little whoopsie daisy on them they basically we all know wrestling scripted but also sometimes different guys get different scripts we've learned or is at least what happened that night where everybody people conspired against what yeah it's there's still no consensus on like who knew about it whose Mm -hmm. idea it was uh all i know is if you watch that is this in the the documentary too yeah bret hart wrestling with shadows i think it's called some variation of that it's so fucking good yeah it's good uh so bret hart gets so pissed off of Vince McMahon. oh did we explain no basically he was scripted to win and then they fucked him on it so that Shawn Michaels won. They pretend and that he, he gave up. Yeah. He was all pissed off. And Vince McMahon came into Bret Hart's dressing room. Mm-hmm. And Bret Hart said, I'm going to take a shower. If you're still out here when I'm done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch you. Yeah. And then he was still out there when yeah. he got a shower and he got punched. Which and is remarkable. you don't that, yeah. see that in the documentary. But you do see a very wobbly Vince McMahon. You see wobbly Vince McMahon, yeah. Who looks like he just got punched. Yeah. And in that documentary in the show itself, you see Bret Hart spit right on Vince McMahon. And oh, yeah. it's almost like much the same way that he sits there and like kind of just like takes getting spit on. He later like takes a fucking, he waits and takes a punch in the face. And this is before smartphones. So he just sat there. Go, go on. This guy's going to come hit me in about five minutes. Yeah. And he doesn't even fucking play Angry Birds or whatever. You know? <laughs> he just sat there going, "This I have this coming in a very big way. This is the plan. But also, I, I think he probably knew it's over after this. Dude's going to WCW. I did the thing. The belt's off him. So, yeah. So, a version of that happens. Um, the boys are excited because their beloved WCW is, like, in town. Mm-hmm. And they get to go see their guy. The boys being David Arquette. I'm sorry. Yes. Scott thank Con. you. Thank you. Yes. Yep. So, they, they, they go to Monday Nitro. They go they go see they go see the show. They're gonna, they think they're going to see Oliver Platt. Uh, Jimmy fight. King, yeah. Jimmy King, thank you. Jimmy King fight DDP, and then they sort of screw job him and take the belt off of him. Yeah, I, I was curious about what the movie's version of pro wrestling is, but you see the guys in the ring going, "Okay, do a hip toss." Like they're calling for moves. Like it, it, so... you can tell that the be- at that point in the movie, it's a coordinated effort. Um, the matches, the the winners are deter- are predetermined, but you know. 
the hits are, the hits are they're, they're taking bumps. And sometimes they fuck on you. Yeah. They fucking swir- they, 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 they zig when they tell you they're going to zag and everything else. And so, and then also it's interesting because we see, you know, the, the, uh, the main characters are really into wrestling and, and they seem to have a funny understanding of the realness of it, right? Yeah. At, For grownups. At one point early on, <laughs> someone's giving them guff about being wrestling fans and says that wrestling's fake. And David Arquette just kind of blood curdling screams, <laughs> wrestling is not fake. <laughs> so it's still real to them, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing of like, it's it's in a realistic world in the sense of like, it's out there. There's people going, nah, man, but they're just sort of maybe you don't want to hear it a little bit or something. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! So then after Jimmy King is fucked out of his belt, he kind of is kicked out of WCW effectively. Mm-hmm. And kind of disappears and then the boys go to go to find him and and help him get his get his groove back yeah but when they find him they're expecting him to be a king and all of like they they really don't understand understand they don't seem to understand their childlike understanding of wrestling doesn't really allow for like that behind the curtain real version of someone which Mm -hmm. is what they find (laughs) it's not glamorous it's like the aliens in galaxy quest i think the galaxy quest is right exactly yeah 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 and we also, it's, it's, it's funny that we just watched The Wrestler just because we're a fan. And it's the kind of movie we'll throw on because we've seen it a lot. Uh, but it is um, similar in that, uh, you know, they're portrayed as what their their home life is not very glamorous. not very glamorous in a trailer park. Uh, you, you know, um, again, not the, not the riches that you'd associate with a champion wrestler or, or a guy that was on top of the world and stuff like that. Yeah, the shitty stolen motorhome. And... <laughs> that's right, that's right. So... This movie, uh, to promote this movie, the the folks at WCW thought it would be a good idea to put the belt, the main belt, on David Arquette. So the real WCW. The re- at, the, like, in real life. You turned on TNT on Monday Nitro and you watched these guys who also appeared in this movie. But you also saw David Arquette, the actor. <laughs> so... Uh, WCW writer and certified non-genius, Vince Russo. He considered, uh, well, David Arquette was considered a ma- uh, mainstream star at that time. Scream 3 had come out. Like, he was he was pretty pretty well-known. Um, so they thought, he thought it would bring eyes to WCW's programming amid the fucking ratings war with WWF. Yeah, where they're pulling all their guns. Here's this guy from Scream who's been in all three Scream movies. Here's this big star. He's in this wrestling movie. Why don't we... Make him WCW heavyweight champion. And doing crossover promotion that would probably lead for boring television makes all the sense in the world. It's the kind of stuff you see. But going that far to make him the champion, it almost sounds harmless. And you get to where people that don't watch wrestling is like, so a, a different man pretended to win a match than a different, you know, but. Uh, but it really caused quite a kerfuffle. It's, it's, people say that it's one of the things that led to WCW's demise like you could connect the dots, and it's not even that many dots yeah. from this to that. It if you look if you look up articles about about this movie, you'll see it, it said that it like derail derailed David Arquette's in like his whole career because it made him and he was a lifelong wrestling fan, mm-hmm. and he knew that this wasn't a good idea. It also it it made wrestling fans hate the guy. Mm-hmm. And it also made Hollywood not want to, like, fuck with him anymore. Yeah. Both worlds got pissed off at David Arquette about it a yeah. little bit. Or not, maybe Fillmore wasn't so much pissed off, but it was just like, oh, no, no thanks. No thanks. Or whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of other people who will just 
Like the fucking or, New York Times asshole. Yeah, yeah. It just it's like, oh, he's slumming in this wrestling thing, and then the 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 inbred fuckos that can't spell documentary. I'm joking about what that guy said. Um, they were like, well, this guy is coming and sort of. They might have seen it as pissing on the thing, and if it seems weird that it just it just seems like it's hard to compare it to other stuff because that's part of what we love about wrestling is it's really unique. It has parts of drama, it has parts of sports, but it just when when there's no consistency and the whole thing is seen as being kind of devalued then that kind of wrecks your weekly investment in it, right? So it's almost like, let's say you're watching basketball and your team might make the playoffs and then they just drop a new team in with two weeks left. You're like, guess what? That team's going to the playoffs. And you say, well, none of this makes sense then. I think it was like an effect like that is the best I can do on the fly. It just makes the whole thing a little wacky. Hey, there's, a, there's a referee. He's over towards our kid. One, two, three. What? 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 What is Did David Arquette just... Celebrity crossover in wrestling is just part of it. At WrestleMania this year, Logan Paul is has a singles match. And I thought you were going to say WrestleMania. I thought you were about to say WrestleMania one, Mr. T in the main event. Yeah, but that just but, goes to show the bookends. I just, yeah, exactly. You know? it's it's how it started. It's how, it's it's still part of <laughs> yeah. it. Fucking Shaq went through two tables. We have AEW a, a couple years ago. There's a current Golden Globe that is at large, or or, or in, in or, or you know the kayfabe. Oh, yeah. A current Golden Globe winner got mixed up with wrestling and yep. and, and 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 is still, to my knowledge, in storyline trying to get their real Golden Globe back. You know. In the meantime, it's, it's being used by Jeff Jarrett as a weapon. I know. I like not saying who it is, so everyone's wondering who it might be. It's oh. Kate Winslet, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Paul Walter Hauser. That's right. Um, but fucking David Arquette is a lifelong wrestling fan, and he knew it was a bad idea mm-hmm. to give him the belt. Wrestling cross or celebrity crossover in wrestling—it's always been a thing, but it's different when you wouldn't plop them in there and just make them champion because there's like there's a very much a mentality about paying your dues and mm-hmm. earning things. And when when someone when something nice happens for a wrestler these days, people will chant, "You deserve it." Yes. at them like yeah. there's so deserving things is a is a big part of wrestling so when david arquette got plopped in and won the the belt people were really really pissed and disproportionately pissed and it and poor david arquette a lifelong wrestling fan knew that the reaction wasn't going to be mm. great like uh, he was hesitant about the storyline which had him winning the world heavyweight title and then defending it in the main event of a pay-per-view uh i grabbed a quote of his from an interview he did a couple years ago with den of geek he said when i first thought about the idea i thought this is terrible we can't do this it's the belt they explained the uh the publicity and that it would be good for the film and they told him i'll end quote now they told him if he didn't do it that they wouldn't promote ready to rumble on wcw programming so he just kind of felt a little boxed in it's a real damned if you do damned if you don't yep so it's the angle kicked off uh a few days after, the movie was released on April 7th, and then on April 12th, on the April 12th, 2000 episode of WCW Thunder, uh, they showed David Arquette sitting in the front row, and then he got involved in an angle with, um, even though DDP is the bad guy in the movie, he was DDP's friend on okay, Storyline. Yeah, yeah. And then he helped DDP beat up Jeff Jarrett, who is now using a fucking Golden Globe as a weapon. That's the guy at the Golden later. Globe. I didn't even realize I was setting that up, but yeah, wow. 
death taxes and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Some things are just inevitable. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then a few weeks later, on April 26th, he won the heavyweight championship by pinning WCW executive Eric Bischoff. We don't need to get into all that, uh, but I just thought that was a good detail. It was a wild time in the industry. And then he sort of he wore the belt around. He brought the belt with him to a, the set of a movie he was making with his wife, and they filmed backstage vignettes on the set of Three Thousand Miles to Graceland ah. with uh, David Arquette, his then wife Courtney Cox, and their co-star Kurt Russell. Amazing. And um, I pulled the clip for you. All right. Oh boy. <gasps> Look at him. What's up, Kurt? Hey, hey, hey Courtney. We gotta do our nude love scene right now. How you doing, David? Yeah. Kurt, yeah. did you know that David was the WCW World Champion? World Heavyweight Champ, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so funny. David, 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 you're not a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, there you awesome. have it. They even kind of uh, you know, the whole thing. You're not a wrestler, and Kurt Russell's like, yeah, right. Laughs at him and leaves. Can't get no respect. No respect Man. at all. And that's what that's what's kind of funny is um, with wrestling. With certainly when the when the shows that the WCW WWF shows were going back and forth Monday night ratings were like obviously the measuring stick used. And I think that uh, people still get really into wrestling ratings if you find people fighting on the internet about it or whatever. But what's funny is just like they really just like you know they're lucky if they get you know a million or two or whatever and it just like pales in comparison to mainstream entertainment sometimes like last things year, like the o- Kurt Russell movies that last year when the Oscars uh, people were making fun of the Oscars for having its lowest ratings ever and I looked it up and I don't remember let's say it was 12 million just like oh my gosh that's still that's yeah it's that's so many more people another stratosphere the Oscars of- lowest point is still maybe mm-hmm. 20 times the usual amount of wrestling viewers. Yeah. And so I thought a funny point to illustrate that is like, so here's this, by all accounts, small movie, by budget, by grosses, by whatever, minimal production, minimal cultural impact in the film world. Fucking reverberated for 20 years and people, wrestling fans are still mad at David Arquette and stuff like that. And it, and I looked up, it's the 136th top grossing movie of that year, oh. just behind a Highlander sequel called Endgame that I don't know. And it's right ahead of, this is mis- misleading, it's right ahead of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which made a bunch of movie, but just came, a bunch of money, uh, but just came out at the end of the year. Mm. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? So here's this movie just like, literally not even the top 100 movies of a year that came out. As far as success goes, but uh, there's a literally an industry that it it shook to its core. We'll say wowzers. Um, yeah. So just to give you guys some context about it's it's how the storyline is reviled by wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, David Arquette was absolutely right to be hesitant about doing all this because uh, it's considered one of the mo- worst moments in wrestling history, damaging Arquette's reputation as both an actor and among wrestling fans. Um, it's been described as one of the worst moments in pro wrestling history, a and a publicity stunt gone wrong, forever associated with the death of WCW. WCW Ouch. went out of business ten months after after this angle, ten months. Um, <laughs> he describes so uh, David Arquette said he was posing for pictures before a WCW event when he he was hit in the face with a glob of dirt. Ooh. He looked up and saw a ten year old kid give him give him the finger. <laughs> he said he was so mad at me. I don't think people calculated how upset people would get and how much of a disgrace it was to the belt. He's still atoning for it. 20 years later, 
or eight, I guess 18 years later at, mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. he started working uh, the independent circuit on wrestling shows. He did. He started at the bottom and did all of all of the stuff that re- like wrestlers would do. If he they paid were the dues, normally. trying to pay the dues that he was criticized for not paying. He trained with Luchadores in Mexico. He did death matches with with Nick Gage, Mister Deathmatch. It was Mister. He's Captain Deathmatch, and I'm sure you guys might have heard about it because uh, I think it was ma- like mainstream mm-hmm. news at the time. He got his he got stabbed in the neck. He yeah. was impaled impaled in the neck by a broken light tube during a death match with Nick Cage. TMZ covered it, you know, and and if that sounds shocking, just the the only part that really went wrong was just, like, how much he bled from being stabbed with the light tube. Like, you you know, death match, just what it sounds like. A lot of that stuff is in a really good documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Yeah, um, he made a documentary about his... Well, it contextualizes all of this WCW bullshit and gets into why... I'll just read this thing I got from the LA Times because um, they, they describe it succinctly and well. You you Cannot Kill David Arquette, a documentary about his efforts to earn real ring respect, explains why, decades after the wrestling world turned against him, the rejection still stung for the lifelong wrestling fan. The blow was twofold. Soon afterward, Hollywood stopped taking him seriously too. Poor guy. And uh, I have a quote from David Arquette, again, just talking about why he is doing all this. He said, I wanted to make it a love letter to wrestling and a bridge from Hollywood to wrestling. I also wanted to understand wrestling for myself to really see why people got so mad in 2000. I also learned that in what I was doing, there was an element, especially what led me to the death match, that I'd been beating myself up for so long. Poor guy. Really good movie, though, that documentary. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, And that that's when I feel like, you know, maybe ultimately not to skip ahead, but ultimately, if you were to ask me if I recommended Ready to Rumble, I would say, if you like wrestling and this stuff sounds fun, then like watch it if you're ready to do the Leo meme like mm-hmm. you were saying and mm-hmm. point to everything. And yeah, if you're unsure, I'd say you could skip it. But I'd recommend that documentary to anybody. It's fascinating. The shit with him training with Luchadors, doing a backyard show, which is just what it sounds like. And even some backyard shows might have 30 or 40 people, which sounds small, but it is a crowd. This is a show. There's like eight people to where they're literally going, is that fucking David Arquette? Like the way that you would if you were watching your buddies fight each other in the yard and you think one of your buddies is going to come out and David Arquette comes out because that's what fucking happens. It's just insane. You should watch it. It's really good. Yeah, he definitely put in a lot of work to earn respect from wrestling fans. Right. And that said, the documentary goes all the way up to, without giving too much away, all that crazy footage we talked about. If you want to see just how far he goes, the movie's called You Cannot Kill David Arquette with good reason. It's on It's on Hulu, I believe. It's solid. So he eventually dropped the belt um, a few weeks later, a few weeks after, after he showed up on um, WCW programming, he dropped it to Jeff Jarrett again in the main event of Slamboree, which was a pay per view. Uh, in the match, in it used the triple cage that's featured that was in Ready to Amazing. Rumble. I sh- I should not have been surprised that they used that triple cage featured in the main event. It's yeah. like this. I was going to say Russian doll, but that's not accurate because it's not nested inside of itself. It's like a pyramid. Mm-hmm. It's like a pyramid. If you picture, you know, the steel, the hell in a cell, if for a non-wrestling fan, I'm sure maybe even the steel cage is pretty common. Just picture that with a roof on it. You know, there's a flat surface on top, a whole squared off dome over the ring made out of cage fencing, whatever. This Now there's a smaller one, a shed on top of that, if you will, centered. And then on top of that shed, a little tinier, even sheddier shed. Yeah. A little pyramid. It's kind of adorable. And so they start in the bottom one. 
They start at the bottom, they climb their way up, ending up in the same cage a few times, fighting their way up and down. It's madness. I wonder how the real match went, because in the movie, it's it's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> and, and I was wondering about, what's the point of this? But I guess I'm doing it wrong. Of, of like the triple cage. The triple cage. It's the, they do it like a ladder match, ultimately. Just like the, the belt is just up top of the third. I realized that somewhere along the way, I think, was why. Because why, cra- why crawl up there? Just because it's there? But I think if you put the objective up there. Because he does take the belt down. Yeah, yeah. So that's on me a little bit. It was just a funny question I was asking myself. I'm just like, what? Okay, so there's more cages. Why are we compelled to go up there? But they got it, they got it, they got it. Well, one of the critiques of WCW uh, in general is that they just are, they were the promotion of excess. Maybe the kitchen and, sink. And, and that, <laughs> is, that is very much, uh, very much exemplified in Ready to Rumble, I think. You like know, with the, with the, Dan- the Nitro girls. And at one point, they, there's just like this this pack of like, they're like Dallas Cowboys, like or Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're, they're just only there to wear small clothes and, yeah. and dance around. And I asked you, like, are, is this real? And then in the credits, they they're did. all yeah. b- billed as themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they just had like a pack of dancing girls mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo... Have to run wild, yeah, I guess. yeah, and uh, that just reminded me. Uh, it just it, maybe this doesn't even belong in here, but you, you see all that, and then you see Scott Khan's whole ass, and it's a PG 13 movie, so you do buckle up, everybody. Simulated violence and a whole ass, and this is sort of this doesn't have, have, have to do with anything, but Rose McGowan is in the movie, mm-hmm. and she sort of plays. I guess David Arquette's love interest. Love interest. One of the lead uh, aforementioned, you know, uh, they, they the, put her with the, all of the yeah. real uh, WCW girls and she's like, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I gotta say though, it's, it's, it's weird to elaborate on why. Obviously, um, David Arquette in Scream, his is sister it? is played by Rose McGowan. Yeah. And I know they don't spend the most time together in the mm, series. Before she gets murdered. Right. Blatantly, uh, but yeah, well, been out for a long, been time. Out for a long time. Yeah, uh, right. But there's some, yeah, deputy Dewey boy. You know, like there's there's definitely a, a, a bit enough enough of enough that dynamic is shown. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's that's all. If you want to just keep it loose, go hey, scream union, and don't think about it anything else besides okay, scream. It's like scream, and now what's going on next? You know, just do that. I I, I did. Uh, they 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 have a bit of a love story there, and 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 that that that's that's the whole thing. Uh, I, I liked that a lot of it is fleshed out where um, he starts coming around the shows. I guess we just see, I made a joke there. Are they just like under a bridge? They're just like, they're just partying under a bridge. Just the WC, it's, I guess in the lore of this movie, after a nitro taping or whatever, they just lit some fires and partied under a bridge. Mean Gene and the girls and the guy, the boys. It's, that was a lot of fun. Stuff like that is what I like a lot. It's just seeing not only these wrestlers, but you see them like do fun stuff. You see, I think it's Bam Bam Bigelow and Sid Vicious Psycho Sid, depending on what what year we're in. Not only do wrestling stuff, but do like, oh, we're the henchmen they send out to go do goon stuff. So like, if you're into that, if those names I said mean anything to you, that stuff's fun. Seeing them uh, kind of get to do in-ring and out-of-ring stuff. And while we're just mentioning uh, just stuff that might be interesting to wrestling, people that are familiar with wrestling, um, there is an unmasked Rey Mysterio in this movie. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a little, a little small, small wrestler with bleached hair. He looks like when his son was like eight and on wrestling the big version of that. He yeah. doesn't look like his son now grown up now. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was weird though to be able to call him out without having ever seen his face before. That's why I knew it. Cause he looks like his little boy, but the hair was like the same, I think a little bit, mm-hmm. but, um, 
That's relevant because we think he, we were thinking he might be the only guy that's in wrestling in the upcoming WrestleMania, which is not official. But we it think he's like fighting his son. It, they have not booked the match, but it seems like he might be headed for for a match on WrestleMania here's again, twenty three years later. Here's the thing: there's two things. Yeah. WrestleMania's coming up. He's not getting along with the with the with the boy very well. So the boy keeps calling him out. <laughs> the boy really wants to fight the man. He's also getting inducted to the Hall of Fame this weekend. Yeah. So that would be a hell of a weekend for any man. You know? Could you imagine? If you're, a basketball player was going to the Hall of Fame, and then he also fought his son. No, no, no. Maybe fucked up. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you're... I meant to say this a second ago uh, when you were saying that, you know, it's funny that... Um, and I, I get where they're coming from, but people were really protective or whatever you want to call it, precious about this wrestling thing of theirs getting... This thing of ours getting punctured uh, when David Arquette came and was like, how dare you? But it was also WCW that was known for doing crazy shit, and they did have RoboCop show up in their wrestling like a decade earlier... And that's a long time, you know? Like, I was thinking about how this movie's from 2000. If it was five years earlier, it would have looked a lot different. Macho Man would have been all, like, fluorescent and stuff, right? You know? So it is very much just a snapshot uh, of that time. And just a little bit of fun trivia. I don't uh, know if you remember the Hurricane Hurricane Helms. Hurricane Helms. From, uh, from early 2000s WWE. Just, uh, he, he had a superhero gimmick and... The real man, Shane Helms, was David Arquette's stunt double in this movie. Mm, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. And it, it's also worth mentioning, I think, that Oliver Platt's stunt double and one of the stunt coordinators on the movie was Chris Canyon, the late Chris Canyon. Mm. Uh, there's a really interesting episode of Dark Side of the Ring about his mm-hmm. story, and it's pretty depressing. As the name of that show. Again, speak about a good name, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. yeah. You know what you're getting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very well made, very interesting, very fucking sad, and I would recommend not binge watching. It's a tough binge in, watch. An entire it's season. Tough. Right, right. <laughs> Break it up. Watch a Last of Us or something. You know. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Which is really good, but we are we still haven't finished it just because it's too it's too depressing. We it's so bleak that we can't can't find a good time to yeah. throw one on. I try to appreciate everything. But just sometimes bleak. It just takes me a while to get into that right, right head. When the thing is this, it's not that I don't. I don't know. There's just so many other things I could watch. And I'm so aware of that in the moment when I'm hitting go on the remote. If I hit okay, click this. Where it's like, oh. You're hitting the cry button. I, I am in the cry button. Exactly right. The cry in 44 minutes button. <laughs> yeah, I can cry in 44 minutes. What time is 11.30? Yeah, I can cry in 44 minutes. No, fuck that. Oh, one of the most fun parts of Ready to Rumble, though, is sort of Mar- Martin Landau plays this ah, old-timey trainer character who's based on you know, Luthez and Stu Hart, mm-hmm. um, Killer yeah. Kowalski, that kind of guy. And he's based on that, and he also just reminds me of the Lloyd Bridges character that he plays in Seinfeld, <laughs> just the, the sweatsuit and just like the old timer going, "Come on, I'm still, I still, guy's still in good physical shape. Come on, does. keep up with me, you whippersnapper." Like, yeah, he's like he's he's taking uh, on Perry Saturn, and uh, that's that's some of the best stuff. I mean, he is literally he's like a not only is an Academy Award, he's like a few years removed from having won an Academy Award in the movie Ed Wood. So like he was just like a great actor, great career, still just killing it. Doing like a lot of okay, not my quote unquote important movies. I'm sure some of the snooty critics were like, "What is Martin Landau doing in this wrestling picture?" But we love a wrestling picture, and he is so fun in there. He's, He's hilarious. Sal Mandini, want to wrestle? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like Martin Landau and Mean Gene are my favorite parts. <laughs> and honestly, Joey Pants, you guys got to see. Just the way he looks in this movie. Pigtails, cowboy hats, whatever. Oh. So I don't. I, I, I'm not sure. His his character seems to be 
inspired by a, a mixture of, of people. But I can tell you, none of them have pigtails and with a cowboy hat. Yeah, yes. Fringe right. jacket. It's incredible. There's something else going on there. And it, it ain't just three wrestling bookers Play-Doh together, you know. <laughs> I like I like to think that this is Ralph Zaffaretto. Uh-huh. He's he's working some, some weird <laughs> angle. Yeah, that's right. Not bad. Not bad. He does just kind of float into the Sopranos one day. We don't know what he was doing hey, in like the town. year two thousand, so maybe he was yeah. I think I think he was I think he was poking stink in the chest, getting mad at everybody. And one of and like there's fucking four hundred unrealistic things about this movie, but the one thing is like the the that doesn't track all the way is the way that the guy loses the belt and is just out of the business the next day. Like that's a pretty harsh firing, you know? Yeah. Uh Maybe that's just that's that's the way Ralphie would work, though, as I can help but think, you know, just 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 testing out this fan theory that I'd like to support with everything I have. Well, at one point, at one point in the movie, he tells Sting if he doesn't listen to his instructions, I'll I'll kill you. He threatens to kill Sting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sting. And Sting is like a powerful guy. Oh, yeah. He's a... if, if you if you buy into it all, he's a powerful guy. What? Excuse me. Thank you. I will kill you if you fuck this up. I remember two thousand thing we were talking about being uh, both being children that grew up watching WWF and being you know vaguely aware, whatever you'd call it, of WCW, that other promotion. I was aware of. Oh, they do have a guy named Ric Flair or whatever. Oh, they do have a guy named Sting. And I remember when Sting was more fluorescent. When he changed, I remember, you know, WCW promotion that brought in Robocop as a non-fan and you get over it and you lose sight of it. But it's like, wow, they just did the crow exactly. I was just thinking about that. I thought that they, when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't seen the, seen the crow. I, I didn't watch WCW. So I kind of thought they were the same thing. It's the same thing. It's like when Vanilla Ice talks about how his song is different. He's like, it's like, bum, 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 bum. They're like, if you look at the one line on his eyebrow, it goes up instead of down. So maybe there's some bullshit like that. But yeah, it seems pretty shamelessly. They just, they just, they, they, they did the crow. Sting has a bat. It's not the same. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I got to say, too, Bill Goldberg is not in this movie very much. But when he is, he seems way cooler than, than the Bill Goldberg that I got sick of seeing wrestle in WWE in, like, 2017 or whatever mm-hmm. that was. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of, we're telling you this guy is pretty cool and big and scary. And, of course, look, I get it, you know, that, that you know the entrance and stuff. If you watched that a lot when you were younger, it's cooler than if you didn't. Uh, Do you remember when yeah. he psyched himself up? So his entrance, they, they film him backstage sort of walking to... The ramp, the entrance oh. ramp, and coming down, and <laughs> I don't know why, but a couple of years ago he was making his entrance and he was he was backstage and decided to headbutt the wall a few times. You know, you get you get ready. And he knocked himself silly. Was he bleeding? He was concussed. Concussed, out of it. Yeah. Before the match even starts. Yes. This is who we're dealing with. And then I know in that era when Bill Goldberg came back and was doing some stuff. I just have this vision in my head. He, like, won the championship or something, and he, like, brought his son out into the ring. That was weird. And it was, like, sometimes that's really nice, depending, you know, oh, my family's here, my little baby boy's here. But it was, like, a 13-year-old kid. I forget why, but he, he ended up shirtless. <laughs> and he's, like, no disrespect. I, it was me as a kid. I, I was a chubby kid. Probably I wore wear, my, he probably wears a shirt in the pool. I was going to say, I'm a t-shirt in the pool kid. Yeah. I was. This kid looks like that. Like, but it's like if you took me and put me in, in the ring, and and, and, and my father of, was like, "No, come on, just do it, just do it." In front of like fifteen thousand people standing it, in the ring. It's just, it's just unfortunate. It's yeah. an unfortunate 
thing. And, I and don't, the kid does not look comfortable either. He doesn't either. look comfortable. It's if he is into sweet. it, I got no problems. But yeah, so. Doesn't, don't, doesn't look like The late run of Bill Goldberg, the later stuff of Bill Goldberg, maybe punctuated with a lot of oddness for, for our taste. <laughs> Damn, this guy's this guy seems pretty cool. He seems all right. cool back then. I get it. It's it's frustrating though, like watching watching that scene where John Cena is just an ex, like guy in gym, just, yeah, just using the equipment. It's like you have gold behind you. Give him some lines. Do something. Give like, him some lines. It's peacemaker. Let him say some weird sexual stuff. I'm not sure if this has come up already, but we we are big John Cena fans. You know, uh, it's 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 too bad that there's like uh, no Batista, no John. Well, the a bare minimum of John Cena, but these wrestling actors that we like that that a lot of a lot of us like because they're fucking great. Um, too bad they're not in there, you know. Yeah. Again, but Cena is in there. You're right. It's a slap in the face. The cutting room floor. Maybe there's some more footage of him doing those weights. Scott Kahn, turn around. I know. Ask him to play the piano. <laughs> I did think a few times during this movie. Like, I just was amused at the thought of James Kahn watching this. Yeah, I know. I bet he did, too. Yeah. Well, maybe, I don't know. Do you watch, when you're Martin Sheen or you're James Kahn, and it's not like your kid just got it, like your kid's been in a bunch of stuff. Because Scott Kahn's, he's like, I got a TV roles and stuff. Do you watch everything you think? Maybe. Maybe it's case to case. I feel like our parents would watch Yeah. everything we were in. They would. If we were in stuff. They would. Oh, just a housekeeping note, by the way. Uh, our next episode, you might hear us refer to it as episode three. Is we, we bumped it. We did what is in wrestling. We hot shotted this one, I yeah. think. So we're we talk a lot of shit about it being our third episode when it turned out to be our fourth. While we're housekeeping, I do want to point out. I think I might leave it in the episode now because I'm working on it. There's a part where a cat meows and we go, "Holy fucking fuck, that's a fucking cat!" And I don't think we properly explain <laughs> that we don't have a cat. And I think we might say that. And I, I say it. Oh, that if I say anything, it's because that's not, that meow is just on the other side of the wall. And what I don't illustrate is that on the other side of the wall is outside. And so that was just very alarming to just have a cat so close to us. We overreact that if that had just been a cat that we always have. So that might be in there. <laughs> this might be in there. Sure. Um, that was fucking terrifying, though. It was, it was so just... Loud. Again, if you have a cat, a meow happens, your relationship with it is so different than when you don't have a cat and you hear it just right in your house, seemingly. Mm-hmm. So that's why I cry when it happens. That's why I sob through the rest of the episode. That's why it'll be so short. No. Um, but thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. Uh, as you mentioned, our folks love it. Uh, I don't know if it's just because they're sweet, because they are the greatest. But maybe if you're listening to it, your folks would love it, too. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to make up a stupid promo. <laughs> but no, we are uh, on everything. Check us out. Like, follow, subscribe, rant, rave. Uh, if you leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on here. Yeah, isn't isn't that fun? We'll give you the we'll give you the shine here. Maybe we'll try to do a macho man voice. You try to do a macho man voice. Whatever, whatever, whatever strikes our fancy. I really wish, and this is going to be bad because I'm going to make it sound like I have one, but I don't. I wish I had some impression of a wrestler that was not stock and trade. You know, we all just do the macho man. Is it Dana Carvey that talks about micro impressions? Yeah. Yeah, so right. those, it's Sting. Right, it's Sting. Howard Finkel's a good one. I feel like if I were to do Howard Finkel right now, it would just sound exactly like my Tony Giovanni. It is just that booming. There's yeah. a boomingness to it. Hello, Taylor. Now I'm on the podcast. I don't think that was very good. Yeah. That's not what he would say either. You talked about it all, didn't you? I think so. I feel good about it. 
we're over an hour, but there's plenty of stopping points and clips to put in and everything else. So I think we're in good shape here. Yeah. So basically, to summarize, it's a two-star movie. <laughs> that led to that's <laughs> led to what has been described as some of the worst moments in pro wrestling. The <laughs> death of WCW. Yeah. It's like I said, it's funny. It's uh, you know, it's a small rock in the big Hollywood pond, but it was a tidal wave in wrestling. The rock yeah, was is bigger. Such, that is such a funny thing that like. If you were, for some people, it might be like, oh, yeah, that, I think I remember when that movie came out. I saw it. I watched it on TV, whatever. It's just a movie from 2000. Mm-hmm. And you may have no idea that this caused quite the stir. People are still all pissed off about yeah. it, ultimately. Yeah. More more people have a ready to rumble section in their wiki than you might think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's true, but <laughs> it definitely reverberated a lot. Again, for a movie that people didn't really go see is like the some of the tragedy of it, right? And it also uh, it did the opposite for for WCW ratings and, and ticket buy wise. Mm-hmm. So they they put the belt on David Arquette to bring eyeballs to the to their product, and the pay per view where he defended the belt that where he ended mm-hmm. up losing it, mm-hmm. the one with with the triple cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wrestling Observer described it as a substantial money loser as mm-hmm. a live event. So a live event, the movie. I guess people will stop buying career, tickets. The Wrestling Federation. Just everyone came away worse. Yeah. Man. It's like the end of a match with a bunch of people in it where just everyone's laying around bloody and shit. And, uh, and there's no winner. You just run out of TV time. Everyone fucking goes home. But... Has David Arquette come back? Would you call what David Arquette's done a comeback? It depends on. He seems pretty content, I think, that's, that's based good. on some interviews from two years ago that I read earlier. That's good. That's good. You <laughs> said he was on Family Feud recently. Celebrity Family Feud. Celebrity Family Feud. I mean, Not he, regular. If, if they got demoted to regular, I'd feel bad for him. Yeah, he brought a bunch of wrestlers with him. I remember yeah. he had Jungle Boy and Dalton Castle and RJ yeah. City. So I do think at the end of it all, he's carved out a place. He's definitely carved out more respect than he had. I'm sure some people didn't see the documentary and couldn't give a fuck because he broke their hearts when he, they were young wrestling fans or whatever. Uh, but that just speaks to how seriously people take this. And you shouldn't make fun of what fucking words they can spell or not. Yeah. What do you think? I think yeah. it's, probably, it's probably good. We call it good there, I think. That's, that'll do it. Thank you. Ring the bell. All right now. Yeah, I'll put a bell right when you say that. We're going to ring the bell after. That doesn't work. I mean, that would make we were just getting started. You should pin me. I'll tap you out. <laughs> ah, ah, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. Stretch me out. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Make sure you leave your phone number. With my schedule, I cannot look up phone numbers.